Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's episode of Winchester Radio. This is Becky. Uh, Clarity's not here. She's off demon hunting for for the week, and so she won't be on the on the podcast with us. But we have some awesome special guests with us tonight as co-hosts. We've got Kay and Vinny. Kay and Vinny, say hi. Hi. This is their hey, first time. Kay. I'm Vinny. This is their first time on the show, so they're kind of nervous. So you know, we'll have to get them used to everything. I'm sure they're going to be awesome. Now, you know, get the news out of the way. Um, our 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 show, the first hour is live and recorded. And then the second hour is just recorded. So after you um, listen to the show, if you want to hear the rest of it, you'll just need to um, go to winchesterbros.com, blogtalkradio.com, iTunes. You can find us. Um, the links will be everywhere. And you can just download the episode and listen to it anytime you like. And when you go to iTunes, by the way, I know a lot of people have had a hard time finding us on iTunes. When you go to iTunes, you have to search for Media Boulevard, M-E-D-I-A-B-L-V-D. And you can find us there. Okay, so let's go. Last night's episode was The Man Who Should Be King. And it was all about Castiel, which he's barely been in the show this year, so I was really glad to finally get to see an episode about him. What did you guys think about it? I thought it was I... awesome. It... Go ahead. No, no, no. go ahead. You're a bigger cast girl than I am, so you go first. I don't know about that. Um, I, I had uh, reservations with him when he first came on the uh, the show, but um, I think last night it really opened a lot of broadening to his character. Um, he really, the Cassiel and also Misha blew it out, I think, and won over a lot of more people than what he had in the beginning. Yeah, I, mean, that's I what have to I, say that I agree. Because I'm one of those people who tends to not care whether Cass is there or not, and not in a bad way, but I don't notice when he's missing. I don't. If he's there, he's there. He's not. He's not. And this was an episode where I really appreciated the character so so much, and had enjoyed him being the the central figure of an episode. Truly enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm the same way. I've never been that big a fan of Castiel. Love Misha. Misha's awesome. Exactly. Castiel, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good character and all. But I started watching the show because of Sam and Dean, you know, and so. But Castiel, yeah, he's been okay. I could I could you know live with him or not. But and then the other episode that we had all about him, Rapture, in season four, I was like, eh, that's not one of my favorite episodes. My favorite scenes in that episode were all the ones dealing with. Sam and his blood addiction, not really any of the things dealing with Jimmy Novak. But well, last night had very little to do with Castiel and more to do with Jimmy anyway. So I didn't feel that that gave us too much insight on Cass anyway. Exactly. And then last night I just loved it. And it made it made me actually care about Castiel more. It made me more of a fan of his instead of making me not like him more. It made me like him more because he's really in a hard spot, and he is doing what he thinks he's is best, and he 
And the whole reason he never told Dean about it to begin with was because he wanted to protect Dean and let him have his safe life with Lisa. And yeah, it really made me really made me like him a lot more. I think it gave us more of a background as to how long he's actually been around, what he has seen, and you know where actually his character is coming from. Um, all the upper other episodes, we've never really seen you know, what his true feelings were, you know, where he was actually coming from, you know, what has made him do these things. And last night I think it gave us a lot of insight of how the character um, ticks, basically, you know, what what makes him tick. And I think right. that, you know, it's going to help us with, you know, the com- upcoming episodes and everything else, but it really showed us, you know, what what his thinkings are, you know, where he's stuck in this rock in a hard place. And while you can argue that the montage in the beginning was with the with the old movies, it was unnecessary. But you needed to see just how old Castiel is, and he has been around since yeah. the beginning. You needed that impact to show you that he's seen it all. He's been around for every single major event of humanity. Yeah, he was here before humans even existed. So, exactly. yeah. It was pretty pretty cool. And, and of course, I in like and and then fashion, he had to make it cheeky, but uh-huh. you needed to see just how ancient he is. And speaking of Ben Allen, I love that he had you know you know because he wrote it and directed the episode. I love that he had Castiel look right in the camera. You know, oh yeah, it, it, you know that. That it, it it really provided. Misha Collins has that ability to really look into you. Mhm. Right. So, you know, it's like he was looking at you and talking with you. Yeah. So to have him look into the camera, I think he's the kind of actor that can really pull that off, and he did an amazing job at it, without making it feel cheesy or creepy. And I love that Castillo was narrating the whole episode, too. I thought that was really cool. It kind of, you know, goes back to um, Swan Song when Chuck was narrating that whole episode. So I really liked with Castiel doing it. And it also gives a nice kind of head nod to an omniscient being in that they're, they're trying to see, is Cass trying to step into God's shoes and having him narrate creates that are you the new omniscient being and I, I like that parallel I enjoyed that and speaking of omniscient I thought it was pretty wild that we found out that apparently Castiel has the ability to basically be invisible and be hanging around Sam and Dean and stuff when they have no idea he's there we didn't know that before and I thought and you know at first how long has he been doing that Right. When they first showed the scene of Castiel standing beside Sam underneath the streetlight, you know, when he first came back from hell, and I was like, why is Sam ignoring Castiel? Doesn't he see him standing there, you know? And then we find out as the episode's going on, no, they don't see him. Yeah, it makes you wonder, was he doing that in season four? Was he doing that in season five? Right. Has he been with them basically as a guardian angel uh, viewer of their life since day one, you know, has he sh- maybe 
had a hand in some of the stuff a little bit, but not, you know, that you're aware of. Right. You know, that's a, as that's per, a good question. You know, I as would, a protector or... And it also I makes you wonder, how often is it that he appears so quickly because he's being summoned or because he's already there? Yeah. Right. In last night's episode made cast the character Cassiel very multi-dimensional and I think it brought him more to the upfront to to the point where you know hey this is you know an angel like he said in the montage a fallen angel Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know what he means by fallen angel because he's not really a fallen angel. He's you know he's you know a angel who has taken a vessel, um, but it made him more I mean more human to us maybe. Um, it's like he's the reluctant leader. He's been thrust into this um, leadership role where now he's got to make deals with you know the other side to get certain things done. And I do, I do wonder if he means fallen in the literal sense of fallen because he questions, because he doesn't follow blindly, and in some sects of religion, he is considered fallen because he no longer he doesn't he is questioning and he is going he is eating his own path. Right, he's not being a blind, just a blind, you know blind follower, he's questioning, he's got doubts, he's got um, thoughts, basically, as you could see with the angels that he met up in heaven when he was uh, came back, um, they basically tell us what to do, we don't know what to do, you're, you know, you've got to tell us what to do because we can't function without being told what to do. And even given, which I thought was a really subtle and nice um, detail that they put, that they placed in with even when given free will, Castiel goes in and tells them, you're either with me, you're either with Raphael or you're with me. And given the free will, Rachel and the followers of Castiel, their choice was to go with Castiel and they chose to stop dressing like Raphael and dress like Castiel. Mm-hmm. So, the episode previously that we see with Rachel, she's dressed just like Castiel. In the flashback, she's dressed like, like Raphael. So they show, their, they show their allegiance in that way. That's a good catch. That is real good. So I thought that was a nice little subtle, subtle detail they did. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like uh, like uh, Cassiel said when they were going back to Swan Song, um, how, you know, the Winchesters taught him to stand up for something, to question, you know, to you know, protect and defend something even with consequences, you know, when he got blown up, you know, by Michael, you know, stuff like that. So basically it's been a two-way learning street between, you know, like Cassio's like a just child who is now, you know, was learning to walk for the first time and the Winchesters are like teaching him, you know, think, you know, to be more human if you really want to put it that way or to bring his humanity back. However... You can you can say that, but as a child and as a as someone who's learning humanity, 
he still did not hesitate to come in and take those demons out. Right, as a protector. Yes, and that is the Castiel that I love to see. I mean, when it, and the way that they portray him doing that, I love when he just comes in and cleans house like that. It's so dynamic. Especially when he took down those two. Especially when he took down those two demons, you know, when he comes oh, flying through the I door and takes them down both at the same time. Now, and the look on his face was like, you know, you're not touching, you know, my friends. Period. Amazing shot, directorially. The way it's framed, it's perfect. Which, of course, motivationally takes us to Crowley. Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard was so. Uh, can't say enough good things about him. But I have to say, in that scene at the beginning when we first see him um, dissecting Eve and the vampire <laughs> locked over there, he's, the way he screams so much is like he had to have the roughest sore throat after filming those scenes because my throat just hurt listening to him scream. You wonder how you wonder how many scenes it takes him to do that, and how you know, you know, or is he you know it, it's a one scener because God, if he has to do that eight times, yeah, you know, does he have a voice at the end of the filming? Mm-hmm. He is so good at that gruff scream, though. It's something that he does quite well for emphasis. I wonder if he just got it down to where he can do it in maybe one or two takes, and and go on. I mean, he's such a good character actor that I wonder if he's, he's got uh, he's pretty much got that in his arsenal by now. Because if not, he's got to be tearing his throat up. Yeah. One thing I was wondering about, because he said, you know, yeah, Eve's brain's dead, but she still keeps laying eggs. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that means she's still producing new demons out in the world. Like, you, you know, I wonder. Right. Yeah, I wondered about that, and that was disgusting, but it was a pretty powerful <laughs> visual. <laughs> and her her psychic connection to the vampire, too, that was, like, does she have that psychic connection to other monsters, and how does it affect? I was wondering of- if all monsters around the world, every time he poked her in the brain, if every monster was screaming out in pain. That's exactly what I wondered. Like, was there just random vampires writhing in pain in places? <laughs> uh, and with with Mark Shepard, how he brings his character, you know, with Crowley, it's a twist and turn constantly with him. You don't know, you know, which way he's going to lead this character or, you know, what's in store. He's he's a surprise a minute, basically. He he This, this character of his is so... Um, devious, but at the same time, he gets his way around certain areas, and he can be as nice as, you know, like he wants to be your best friend. But then at the same time... Yeah, he's awesome. I don't, I don't, I know Vinny hasn't seen it, and I don't think you watched Doctor Who, okay? But he uh, he was on the last two episodes of Doctor Who, the first season openers for this year, and his character on there was completely different than Crowley, completely different than any the other really ten million other roles I've seen him in. But he was he was really good on Doctor Who in the last couple of weeks, and it just shows that Mark Shepard is he's just amazing. 
I like him in Leverage. Uh, to me, uh, watching Mark Shepard in Leverage, um, actually, he's like a softer form of Crowley. Uh huh. Yeah, he had said at the Los Angeles convention when they, he talked about Doctor Who that cause they had said he'd always played the bad guy, and he's like, "Do I really?" And he mentioned Doctor Who, and I've seen him as many roles as I've seen him in. Doctor Who is one of the few that I haven't. And so I'm intrigued to eventually see him in that when I catch up with that. Because, you know, seeing him as Badger and seeing him as Sterling, they're all variations of that same marmy, salesman, conniving, just the character you love to hate. Right. Kind of thing. So, because he does it yeah. so well. He sells, he's a, he, he sells it. Can't, you want to hate him, but you want him back. His character on Doctor Who is Canton Everett, Canton Everett Delaware the Third, and we see the we see the older version of his character. We see like you know forty years later, and they actually got his his dad, who's also a famous actor, to play his character as an old man. So I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Yeah, yeah I really like the Doctor Who. I'm actually starting to get intrigued. I like to see that that last. I haven't watched Doctor Who, Doctor Who, in God knows how long. I just that little boy so young. <laughs> it's so um, good. My only, as far as last night's episode, I would say, and it's not really a gripe, um, because I would say the the episode for me was nearly flawless. I do think. It was a little ham-fested, the parallel between Bobby and Ellsworth. It didn't have to I, be that was a parallel. I liked it. I liked that he, they named him Ellsworth, which was his character's name on Deadwood. I did like that. I, I liked seeing, like, the demon version, you know, and how he had all his different phones, but they were the blood phones, and, you know, then he, he had the FBI call, and I thought that was really I, cool. My, I, like I said... I just thought the, it was a little ham-fisted with the trucker hat, the beard, the flannel. <laughs> I was like, really? It could have been where, you know how Rufus is, like Bobby was like Bobby, but they weren't carbon copies of each other, but you could get where they were cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. So, but I love the blood phone because it was a nice callback to earlier seasons. Right. And I like that he had, you know, the FBI phone parallel. I just thought the physical parallels were a little too ham-fisted. And did you notice that the two, demon guys who, the two demon guys who came in, they were dressed like Sam and Dean? Yeah, exactly. So it was a little Yeah, it was like head- a total parallel. Although, yeah. going, back, going back to Crowley, I love Crowley's line earlier of the demon-clad nightmares. Uh-huh. When he calls him and Dean the demon-clad nightmares, Crowley does. Right. I love that And I love how he, you know, he pointed out that, you know, everybody, nobody has really given Sam and Dean, you know, what they're worth because they always look down on them. Yet, look, they've killed Alistair. They've killed Lilith. They, they you know, they got Lucifer. They killed Azazel. And, you know, he's the only one going. He's the only one still here. <laughs> Nobody gives them their credit because they are these, you know, they, you know, they're these good-looking humans dressed in jeans, fumbling, 
seemingly bumble, bumble around. But in reality, they're taking everybody out every time. Yep. Now, um, one thing, I, Jim Beaver in the episode, I thought, okay, the scene with the um, with the demon at Bobby's house, um, they called him Red because he had the red hair and the red beard. Mm-hmm. I thought Jim Beaver had the most beautiful smiles during that scene. His face was <laughs> I'm like, I know you're talking to a demon, and all the goodness gracious, you just look so pretty. <laughs> he is really, he looks really good there, and I really give him really good lines. I love when he sticks a knife in red and tells him, oh, we can twist all, we can twist, we can twist all summer. We can, <laughs> it happened, like, it we showed can us summer. more of the, hunter of that Bobby can be to protect the boys. You know, we've seen Bobby, you know, uh, patching up the guys. We've seen Bobby, you know, hugging the guys, you know, for, you know, seeing them back alive. We've seen Bobby, you know, give up his soul to Crowley um, for their boys. But we never saw the real, the the, the fighter, you know, the, the fighter, the I'm going to get this out of you, except for in the last couple of episodes. And I think that is really a nice turning point for Bobby, too. Because we get to see his, if you want to call it, ruthless side. It reminded me of something, uh, you know, it reminded me of the scene in Born Under a Bad Sign when um, Sam, possessed by Meg, shows up and he gives, um, Bobby gives Sam the uh, holy water lace beer. You know, it reminded me of that. Yeah, and we hadn't seen Bobby in that capacity in so long, but, you know, you got, you, it was nice to remember that he hadn't gone soft, he, Right. I think old. He was still. He's still a hunter. And you know, in the montage when Castile's describing all of them that took down Lucifer, he calls Bobby a drunk. I've never really thought of Bobby as a drunk. We've never seen him drunk. You know, sir. We've yeah. seen him drink like. Yeah, but we've never seen him as a drunk. And so I was like, no, right, he's not. In, in the episode "Jump the Shark," um, I was watching that the other day. Um, when they were talking to, you know, um, the one guy and all that. Oh, was that that Jump the Shark? Not Jump the Shark. Um, I can't think of the episode now that I was watching the other day. Where they were talking to them um, about, you know, they were talking to um, one of the guys, and the sheriff comes up and says, you know, who are you talking to? And they said this, you know, the drunk. And they said, no, you know, you're talking about Bobby the town drunk? That's yeah, where we've yeah. actually heard it before. Yeah, dead men don't wear They refer yeah. to him. Thank you. Mhm. And I always just thought that that was part, probably part of his cover for being weird with the demon hunting. I never I really thought he was a hermit for being, you know, you know, being a hermit, being strange, being withdrawn. That that was his cover for that. Yeah. I never really thought of him as being an actual town drunk. So I'm like, Cassiel, if he is a drunk, he's a highly functioning one. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm thinking is maybe they're talking about when, you know, for the time where he was, um, after he had killed, you know, his wife, you know, who was possessed and all that, he had mentioned something about Rufus saving his life at one time. Uh, coming in and saving his life. And you're wondering, you know, maybe if that's the time that, you know, where he was, floundering in the, you know, floundering because after that he didn't know which way to head, you know, like another form of John, but without children, where, you know, 
you know, you turn to alcohol, like you heard about, you know, you've never really seen John as a drunk, but you've heard it in the backstories. You know, he's, you know, out hunting, you know, stuff like that. And you hear just backstories, but you've never really seen it. And I think that's kind of what he was, you know, intending on that little montage. Quite possibly. You know, nothing that we've really seen, just heard in, you know, comments, you know, throughout the series. Right, right. Because you do get, you know, um, where when after after Bobby kills Rufus and he's drinking excessively, even though it is a parallel universe, um, Sam and Dean are worried about Bobby's drinking. They do feel like it's excessive. Yeah, Dean says, we're we going to wait around for him to poop out his liver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, whatever they're seeing him drink at that point, they do feel it's excessive for the norm. Mm-hmm. Of course, Hunter norm is probably not general norm. Well, they just like with Lazarus. Much, they have a much bigger different standard of average drinking than... Well, when, just like with uh, Lazarus Rising, uh, when Dean comes, you know, and shows himself to Bobby and all that, and he actually basically asks him, you know, what, you know, who, who left, who, where's the parents, who's left the liquor store open, you know, because there's all these bottles right. around. And it's like he's he turned the drink in the hard times. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right, that's, he said, yeah, he said, the, he said basically it was a hard summer on everybody, you know, so... Sure, yeah, sure. I love well, I love Dean's line there. What the parents not home or something? I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one liners were really awesome this episode too. You know, the shouts out like to their um buddy that you don't get this you know, let Friday night was their last time they would be paired up with Smallville. They actually had some nice little shouts outs if you really wanted to put it that way to Smallville. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, right. Superman and all that. Kryptonite. And those and those were, and that line, you know, was very critical to the story, too, so. Well, as a child of the 80s, I did love the Dean's, um, he's the Balky Bartokamus of, of Angels, when referring to Castiel. <laughs> I just about died for that line, which not only was it a funny line, it goes to show how much Dean underestimates Castiel, and he thinks that Castiel is, like, the littlest angel when in reality he's really, really not. Yeah. But I just love that line. It was so obscure and so random, and I loved it. And, you know, talking about Dean and his feelings about Cass, when he said, when he told him that he was like a brother to him, you could tell Cassiel had no idea and that Dean felt that way, and he and it made him feel terrible because he was still going to have to do what he had to do. But all my heart was just breaking for Dean because you know he's just lost so many, so many things through his life, and so many people. And there, here he's going to lose Castiel too. And, and you have, which I think is important to have Dean tell Castiel, "You're like a brother to me," which. I'm sure some people had a problem with that line, but I thought it was a good. I thought it was important to to mm-hmm. show that Castiel matters. But I also, when Cass is spying on them, to have him hear that Sam would die for him. Yeah, 
like to understand that he means that much to the both of them. Right. I mean, he's heard Sam say before that he's his friend, and he's heard Dean say he's his friend, and he's referred to them as friends. But to understand the Winchesters deeply care for him, and he's been considered family. Yeah, especially after you know Soulless Sam threatened to kill him. You know, Mm -hmm. sure, hearing Soulful Sam say that he would die for him meant a lot. Yeah, to under to to realize that the two people that he's gone to hell for and pulled out of hell consider him family. That's huge. Yeah. Especially knowing what family means to the boys, basically. You know, family yeah. means everything to both of the boys. And to understand that, I mean, the basis of the episode is pride because it's on all of them. Um, because you have Castiel that whether or not he feels he's doing the right thing, and I do think that, again, Crowley's an amazing salesman, so he convinced Castiel that he was doing the right thing. But without Castiel's pride getting in the way, there's no way he could have convinced him that he was doing the right thing. But you also have Dean's pride in that, one, it never once occurred to him that Castiel would betray him or lie to him. And it it still doesn't even occur to him that he can't take Castiel out. I like when... Um, Castiel said to Dean, you're just a man, and I'm an angel. And Dean said, I've taken out a lot of bigger fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was telling two yeah. different people in this episode that he's an angel. And that's, again, prideful of him. Mm-hmm. Yep. When he himself has taken out angels, he knows angels can die. He, yep. He's watched Dean take out Zachariah. Exactly, who was, you know, more powerful than Castiel, so. He's seen Dean take out an angel. He's aware of it. And yet he told a demon and a human, like the demon and the human, I'm an angel, in such a prideful manner. And the saying goes, pride cometh before the fall. Right. Speaking and of, even though I do think that he thinks he's doing the right thing, and he does think that in some warped way he's protecting them, there's a lot of pride getting in the way of it. Talking about prideful angels, how awesome was Demore Barnes as Raphael? I love oh, that him. was awesome. <laughs> Always so fantastic. I it, I hate so bad that they killed him off. I mean, Lynette Ware is really cool, the one scene that we've seen her in. But, oh, my God, I love, love, love Demore Barnes. His, just his poise when he plays Raphael. And he's got, like you said, he's, a, he's the most prideful angel. He's the most, if you really want to, a conceited angel. You know, I'm the power, I'm... You know, I'm it. You know, listen to me. We're going to do it. You know, you're doing it my way. But he does it with such a subtle godfather, if you want, godfather way. You know, he comes with such a such a bearing to him. And it's just awesome to hear him, just the way his voice is and everything else. 
you know, if I met him, I'd be quaking in my boots because he's got such a, a voice to him that that commands obedience. But he's such a calm. Uh, and what's sweet is Demore Barnes actually his voice isn't regularly like that. When you know we saw him in Vancouver <laughs> last year, and he, when he comes out with the big deep voice to show us, you know, the difference, and I'm like, it's hard to believe that's the same person. It's always such a shock for me when he plays Raphael. So I'm like, ah, I know what you really sound like. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a perfect person in him, yep. I wish they would have kept him a little bit longer. Yeah. Yes, me too. And how, I love he was in Ken Lay's Heaven, and that Castiel was questioning, you know, I still don't think Ken Lay, you know, I question the admittance of Ken Lay into heaven. And, you know, then Raphael, you know, oh, he's devout, you know, that trumps everything. I thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And speaking of heaven. Not to talk heaven. bad about, not to talk bad about dead people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of heaven, one of the things I think directionally what the, the episode did really well was, the jumps between um, whether it was present time or flashback or heaven was the colors and the way it was shot. Like when we're in present time, you know, it's the average clarity. But when we're in heaven, it's that soft focus brightness that we had. Um, And then when you have the scenes where uh, Castiel is watching, for instance, Dean raking the leaves, it's very muted in color. And I, yeah. I like mm-hmm. I like that breakdown of it. I thought that was really well done. And having Cass watch Dean do something so mundane as as raking the leaves and thinking, I just can't take him away from this. He's retired. Right. Oh, just heart wrenching. And that's that's the point where I totally went to Castiel's side. You know, I was like. I totally understand. <laughs> and, you know, you have Dean later saying, you know, you had options, but you have to see it from Cass's point of view. And, you know, here I go defending Cass. Who knew? Um, the reality is it, is, as it, of it is, is, was Dean in any mental place for Cass to go to him? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't because think at that point Dean... At that point, I don't think Dean would have helped Castiel at that point, I don't think. You know. Right, he would have probably told him, I've lost enough, you know, my brother is gone. You know, because in the last season, they asked so much of the boys. You know, Cass was always saying, you know, this is your duty. You've got to do this. You've got to help us. You know, you are part of this. You know, no matter what, you've got to help us. And they've given so much. I think Dean would have, well, there's, there's two sides to it, I think you know, logically, Dean would have had to say, do I break my promise to Sam and leave Lisa? Because I, this is what I promised Sam I would do, retire and, and go to Lisa. Or if he broke that promise and followed Cass to help Cass, how long would he have really last? Could he have really fought successfully? He would have, right, I think, right. would immediately have gotten himself killed. Mm-hmm. So, again, I do think intellectually that uh, Cass made the right decision as far as Dean, not going to Dean goes. 
not necessarily, you know, aligning him, uh, making an alliance with Crowley, but not going to Dean was the correct choice because he, he Dean was, let's face it, loved Dean, but as a fighter, he was worthless at that in at that exact moment. Yeah, he yep. he would have been no benefit to Castiel, none. I I agree. I completely agree. And if Dean if 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 Dean had been able to see it from Castiel's side, I think he would not be as mad at Castiel as he is. But I don't think he would ever be able to see it from that point of view. Well, they didn't give Castiel the chance to. Not that he did a very good job of making his argument, but they didn't really give him a chance to explain. Um, because I think Castiel, for this moment, tried his best, and it got out of hand. And again, full of cliches, but each one of them throughout the seasons has done this. Dean, Sam, and now Castiel have followed the cliche of. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. They all right. have good intentions, you know. You know, Dean, in the literal sense, he sold his soul and went to hell. His good intention was having Sam alive to live. Sam thought he could save the world by aligning, aligning himself with Ruby. And now Castiel, their intentions are good. Every, you know, at any time this happens, your intentions are good. It gets out of hand. But Castiel thought this was the best way to protect his humans. Right, and I think and Castiel thought, you know, this is you know, that he could handle it, if you want if you want to say that, you know, if he could handle it, that he could handle the situation. You know, he's going in, he's doing this with Crowley but he's going to be in control of the situation. And I think as things went around that I think Crowley took over the reins of it, like like uh, Cass said when he took out those two demons, that he felt more like himself that time. Mm-hmm. Well, so he's lost control, the, basically. And the scene where he um, throws Crowley into the wall... It really yeah. made me wonder which one of them is the more powerful. You know, Castiel yeah. with the power of all the souls that they're getting from, you know, that he's been getting from Crowley. Is he more powerful than Crowley, the king of hell? I was really wondering because Crowley looked scared. Yeah, he had that look like, oh, boy. You know, he um, when he looked at the wall, you know, and then he tried to get that macho into him saying, you know, this is not how synergy works, you know, how he screams. But at the same time, you could see that, like, uh-oh. It yeah. makes you wonder what the show has touted for the past couple seasons is that what's required is balance. You can't have all good and you can't have all evil. You require balance. And, you know, you have Eve that said, you know, I was happy with how things were going, but you guys went and threw off the balance. So you have to wonder, do Castiel and Crowley require a balance? Does one, in a way, need the other? Do you need Cass to pull Crowley out of what Crowley can't get himself out of? And in a way, just like with, you know, Cass being in the ring of fire, does he need Crowley to pull him out of situations like that? Do they actually need it? Like a yin and a yang, right. Exactly. 
what is actually required. Yeah, Crowley's a salesman, and yeah, he's a BSer. But sometimes when someone's selling you something, they're not just selling you lies. There's something to what they're selling you. And talking about Crowley being a salesman, one of the interviews with Mark Shepard this week mentioned him um, saying, he, have you noticed that we've never actually seen Crowley's eyes flash red? Mm-hmm. And I thought that is interesting. You know, he is supposed to be king of the crossroads, demons. But, you know, we've never seen him actually look like a crossroad demon. Yeah, so we've never seen him flash red, black, yellow, nothing. Mm-mm. But we've seen him make deals for souls. So I right. wonder what, I wonder what he, you know, in Weekend at Bobby's when, um, you know, when Bobby was lear- learning it, getting into his information, finding out about Fergus, you know, the person he used to be and all that stuff, it, it sounds like he was just, you know, he is just your regular, you know, just a demon. But it makes me wonder if maybe there's more to him. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of when I said, you know, he needs Crowley to pull him out of situations and Crowley needs him. Uh, thinking about the, the scene in the Ring of Fire, um, watching Castiel try to plead his case and doing such a bad job of it because it, it, it's almost like he can't collect his thoughts about um, on how to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, I did see a few reactions to the episode where people thought it was a really light on sound episode. And while there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue for Sam, what Sam did have, I felt, had huge impact on the story. What we did see with Sam, not just in dialogue, but in scenes as well, but the moment where he tells, where he's pleading to Sam, Cassis, and he tells him, I'm the one who raised you from perdition, and he's using Mm -hmm. it as a bargainship. And to have Sam turn to him and tell him, you did a piss-poor job of it. And to not right. only and, and turn around and, and say, things. did you leave me without a soul on purpose? Just broke my heart for both of them. And Sam's eyes yeah, are all tears. Yep, that's one thing that the boys do, Jared and Jensen do very well, is with their characters, they can tell a story just in their looks, you know, mm-hmm. on how, you know, their expressions. I mean, you can, you can, they can tell a whole scene in just a look. Like the look what Sam, when, when um, Cassio says, I'm the one that raised you from perdition. The look that he had said a thousand words. Before mm-hmm. he even said you did a piss poor, you know, job of it, you could just see the emotions going right over, you know, Sam's face. And, you know, Jared does a wonderful job doing that, as does Dean, with his the looks that he gives to Sam or that he gives to Cass. It says all his emotions. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You can see a whole scene in just a look without even having the words come out. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that we know Cass didn't, we see the flashback of, Sam walking past Cass and Cass's realization of something's not right and whether, you know, 
you know, if he can immediately sense what's wrong with him, or, you know, we can't tell how much Cass has lied throughout the season. We don't know at this point if he really needed to search for the soul to find out or if he already knew and that was all a show for us. We don't know. But right. yeah, he, I, he senses it's I, wrong. I really wonder if he actually did know that when he pulled Sam out, he left Sam's soul behind. Or but if he just realized like something was wrong. Right. But you, we yeah, know that he didn't intentionally put bring Sam back wrong or incomplete. But the fact that he yeah. can't convince them because of all this manipulation and lies, it's just it's heartbreaking on all of them that you can't. No, there's, the trust is gone. So you have moment. You know, you have 35 minutes before this a character that said, "I would die for him." now going, did you bring me back wrong on purpose? And Castiel has no sufficient way to pull himself out of that. Yeah, and he never even responded to that comment to Sam. All you can do is see a look on his face because there's no comment. Yeah, he can't. I mean, he even if he tells the truth, what good is it doing? And I, I still want to know, okay, to was it Crowley who brought back Grandpa Campbell, or was it Castiel? Okay, I have a big bald guy I can pull off the bench, which is interesting that he says he can pull him off the bench. Because since when... Mm-hmm. At that point, they stopped discussing Sam. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, he says there's a couple of team beat, you know, guys, and they're, you know, we're assuming Sam and Dean. Cass says, you know, Dean's, uh, you know, Dean's retired, and they immediately uh-huh. jump to the assumption of Grandpa Campbell, and Sam's still applicable at that point. Okay, when did this ha- I missed this. When did this happen where they mentioned This is when they were in hell, when they were doing the DMV line, when uh-huh. they were standing in the... And they're standing there, and he says, we need somebody to uh, hunt for us, basically. Right. And he says, I know a couple of Team Beat models, uh, referring to Sam and Dean, and Castiel tells Crowley, Dean's retired. And Crowley says, I have a bald, big, bald, burly guy, something, somebody bald, that he can pull off the bench, the implication being Grandpa Campbell. Yeah. And oh, okay. I'm assuming because Grandpa Campbell makes the deal, that's why Crowley can pull him, can bring him back? Yeah, because I wonder because if Grandpa Campbell was supposedly in heaven... How could Crowley pull anybody out of heaven? Well, right. Grandpa Campbell made that deal. Grandpa Campbell didn't know it was it was Azazel in. Are we talking about in um, when Dean went back in time and we saw Grandpa Campbell for the mm-hmm. first time? That wasn't Grandpa Campbell though. That was Azazel. Yellow Eyes made the deal with me. Right. Oh, that's right. So no, that doesn't right. make sense. But the assumption is that he means Grandpa Campbell because he says a big ball guy. 
Yeah, that would that would have to be him. But yeah, I don't see how Crowley would be able well, to bring maybe, anybody know, from maybe, heaven, right? Maybe it works both ways. If an angel can bring somebody up from hell, maybe you know a demon can bring somebody down to heaven. Or we'll learn something about Grandpa Campbell, apparently. I hope so, because there's a lot of backstory yet with that, in a way, that, you know, we can go out yet with a little bit more of. Or, you know, the only thing I can think of is when um, um, Cass went down to get Sam, and, you know, he was, you know, prideful. He thought he had all the power that he could do, that he had to basically... Um, pull, you know, when Sam came out, that basically they had they to, to have a soul come heaven, you know, to balance it out. Well, and then there's also, you have to think about this as well, what I find interesting is he makes it seem like pulling Sam out was a big deal. Yeah, bigger it's deal than um, pulling Dean out, right. It's not something that they discussed previously that was a possibility. However, they go back to talking to Raphael. Raphael is pretty much like, well, we're going to get Lucifer, we're going to get Michael, and we're going to go on our merry way. Like, it's nothing. Right, I was wondering about this, Because, yeah, it was Sam and Lucifer and Michael were in the cage, and it was like, Look how look at all the things Lilith had to do to get Lucifer out of the cage. And then, you know, it when Castiel got Sam out of the cage, it left his soul down there. So it's like I don't see how Raphael can just go and get them out of the cage. You know, I was thinking, okay, is he gonna have to like break all these seals again? You know, what's he gonna do? And on a nitpicky level, I will say and and nitpicky but it's continuity as well. Where is Sam's handprint? Good he, point. Is, yeah. That's continuity in my, in my opinion. Is it because Sam was pulled out incomplete or is it just a continuity issue? Where is Sam's handprint? Is it because of the cage? Is it because it was... I, I need a reason for why there's no handprint or, or some kind of mark of Castiel. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's you know we've seen shirtless Sam a lot this year. Thank you. But, <laughs> Not complaining, but a handprint uh, of continuity uh, would be nice. Exactly. Yeah, that that is really. I wonder about that. I wonder oh. if they never cured it before because that would you know they were like no we don't want to spill it yet you know how he got out of hell and but still yeah maybe you know have one on his leg or something that we haven't seen. <laughs> We can't see the handprint because we've seen him shirtless. You know, Castiel pulled him out by his foot. I'm pretty sure Sam's washed his own feet by this point and went, huh, that's odd. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, so. Oh, oh, this is a continuity thing I was wanting to talk about, too. Okay, when Dean had to put all those um, angel prevention symbols yeah. all around Bobby's house. Okay, so remember when Castiel hid them from angels by putting those sigils in their ribs? Yes. How uh-huh. can Castiel find him? So I'm 
I'm like, he shouldn't be able to find them then because they have those angel hiding symbols on the ribs. The only thing I can figure. It was a lie. Well, no, I'm wondering, I'm fan wanking into, okay, for, for Sam, okay, remember when Dean was pulled out of hell, he was all rehymenated and everything. So (laughs) maybe that, um, you know, cured all the etchings on his ribs and his ribs are whole and complete again and maybe when at in swan song when castiel healed dean after being beaten up by lucifer maybe that healed his ribs too i don't know that's the only thing i can come up with. or or it could be the part of the big story big lie where he basically yeah you're hidden from the angels but not from me i mean he put them on doesn't mean that he could switch something to, you know, so that he could still find them. And that's, you know, this is all coming to light now. I don't think Castiel's betrayal goes back that far. I do think, and again, this is possibly my own fan link, because we know that I feel like sounds fairly complete physically. He has no handprint. His tattoo is there. I think his... We'll go. I, I could go with that, and I think it has. I could go two ways. One, if Bobby's in the house, he's Bobby, or he just used process of elimination. You know, uh-huh. where else would it be? But I don't think mm-hmm. his betrayal goes back that far. I think his betrayal starts with this, because I don't even think his betrayal starts as an initial betrayal. More than more as a desperation of how do I fix this without without dragging Sam and Dean, primarily Dean, back into this? How do I fix this and still leave Dean the life that he promised Sam that he would go lead? Um yeah, like like if you know, like when they stopped the apocalypse, he didn't realize that okay, now we've got a you know we've got the war, you know civil war. Or, you know, I've started the civil war. You know, telling everybody basically, you know, here's your rope. You know, go for it. Um, you know, either you're with line. me or you're without me. That line too. I love that line. <laughs> with the you know, here God gives you a little bit of rope. Now go hang yourselves with it. You know, yeah, now he I, doesn't realize how to fix this. You know, oh, my God, we've averted the apocalypse. You know, I've got this all on my hands. How do I do this? I can't I do this alone. Line, I, love, I love the line where he said, explaining freedom to angels was like um, explaining poetry to a fish. I like that. Yes. Um, because, again, you go back and hear these angels are, like Raphael said, they're they're bred, they're born to be, Soldiers, not independent. You know, they they don't know any other way other than being, you know, followers. You know, ferocious, you know, ferocious army. You know, they don't know any other way of life. One of the things I've always loved that this show has done, in regards to the angels, is that the angels have always been followers of warriors because. That's what they should be, and their right. use of the word, their use of the word guardian is as a guardian should be somebody who fights to protect. 
blindly and in a way that is what Cass is doing. He is fighting to protect the the Winchesters at any by any means necessary, which is warlike. And angels are soldiers of war. And they're not fluffy, they're not you know, they are they're warriors. And, and they will I, use any means any means necessary. Doesn't matter if you're you know they'll use any means necessary that it's like, you know, going to the other side, you know, using, you know, the other side if need be to to do to get to their conclusion. Yeah, I've always appreciated interrupt you for a second for a show biz for a show word. We're about our live show is about to end in about three minutes. Um, so all, everybody listening, the show's going to end in about three minutes. You will be able to listen to the rest of the show after the show is over um, through blogtalkradio.com, through winchesterbros.com. The links will be on our Facebook and our Twitter. And you can download it through iTunes and listen to us anytime for the rest of the show. Okay, now back to the show. Um One of the other things, oh, that they treat them like soldiers. So you do have, immediately upon Cass's return, you have Rachel say, what are our next orders, basically. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but she's not ready to take, you know, a breather. She's not ready to, you know, go have lunch. She's going, okay, next orders. Yeah, what do we do next? What do you want us to do? And they're all looking to Cass. And all of a sudden, Cass is going, okay, I'm leader? Yeah, they're basically going, okay, the sergeant, you know, the colonel's out. What do we do, sergeant? And I like it. I like it. I I appreciate that depiction of angels correctly, basically. (laughs) I'm curious about heaven because I want to know, okay, what is, like, the main... Where's the part where they hang out at? You know, do they all, if they if angels want to hang out, do they have to go in somebody else's heaven? Do, do, don't they have their own place? You know, Cassiel's, yeah, Cassiel's favorite place is the Tuesday afternoon of the autistic man who died in the 50s, which I thought that was really cool. And I love that. Then, and then Raphael's place, you know, was Ken Lay's heaven. Okay, where... Don't they have their own place? You know, I, I, I really wonder. It seems like in order to to even meet up, they have to appropriate somebody else's heaven, you know, whether it be, you know, the Roadhouse or an autistic man or whoever, they have to appropriate somebody's heaven in order to just, you know, have a meetup. It seems that there is no main room for angels. I mean, even look at the messenger of God that they saw um, dark side of the moon when they went to, when Sam and Dean went to heaven and they met with the messenger of God. He was a gardener. You know, and that was their favorite place was a botanical mm-hmm. garden. Mm-hmm. So it does seem that they have to in some way find a place or I guess whoever it is that is holding the meeting, chooses the meeting place, it seems. But that's a that's a good question as well. 
And I like that we finally got to see Hell, and you know, and it's a big long waiting line, waiting in line, which I thought was that never ends. Right as I was about to roll my eyes about that, going like, oh, the DMV line again, was when Crowley's, when Cass asked what happens when you get to the beginning, Crowley says you go back to the end. I was like, and I'm back with you. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> and the first, I, thing I, the first thing I thought of was the lines at Walmart. <laughs> well, the first thing I thought of was Beetlejuice when you're sitting yeah. there and they're sitting and waiting. So, when they're sitting uh, and waiting and waiting and waiting, yeah. Uh, that was the first thing I thought of. So, again, right when I was about to roll my eyes at the, you know, the cliche waiting was when he said, you go back to the you go back to the end. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's well played, Ben Edlund. Well played. Yeah. Perfect salesman, another view of Crowley, a perfect salesman's efficiency. You know, they never get anywhere. They just keep going around in the circle, you know, back and forth. They keep, you know, taking their number, going through line again. And that is the very, very depiction of hell right there. So I wonder, okay, you know, when Dean was in hell, he was, you know, strung up with the chains and everything. So I wonder if people have, you know, if they're, I'm sure, you know, there must be people. I wonder if, like heaven, people have their different heavens. If people have their different hells too, I wonder. I guess it would depend on what kind of when you talk about, like maybe like the circles of hell. Right, how bad a sinner you were. Yeah, I think it gets into more like that, where like with Dean, there was a specific order to him being in hell. Not just he didn't just he didn't go to hell because he was a bad person. There was, you know, he was following a path. And, and they had plans for him, too. Exactly. They so it's just like, well, this could be like the revamped hell because, as uh, Crowley said, you know, when they first went, you know, when you saw Crowley and Cassiel there, he says, look at the new improved, this is the new improved hell. You know, all the rest of them, they, you know, were a bunch of masochists. You know, this is my version of hell. You know, now that he's, you know, new and improved, he said he did it himself. I I forgot that. And even Casco, this is hell? And he says, yeah, most of the inmates were masochists already. He says, just a lot of thank you, sir, and, you know, another hot spike up the jacket. And now they just keep going in line. So he made it his version of hell. That's that's right. That is that it was a good point. You know, for efficiency purposes, you know, perfect salesman efficiency. <laughs> well, and it goes to that, you know, never go for the kill when you can go for the pain. That's true pain. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're that's when you're just going. Can someone just beat me already? I don't want to suffer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or can I please have the can I please have the spikes and the uh chains and yeah, I would prefer that someone just hurt, you know, lash me cuz I don't want to stand here anymore. Um I did read a couple of comments uh somewhere 
where people had um, a few words to say about uh, Castiel narrating. Again, going back to him, you know, talking to the camera. But I did feel that it was a subtle, important point that he has to narrate this and tell God his story because I think we have to remember that nobody knows if God is listening. Right. And nobody knows if God is even watching anymore. And so on the off chance that God is completely left everybody to their own devices, Castiel has to inform God of all of his doings. And people do sit there, uh, you know, people of, you know, Christian Judeo faith, or any faith, you speak to your deity in that manner at times to work out your own problems, and it's just ritualistic. So I thought that was a nice touch that he has to that he feels like he has to tell God because it makes you feel like he wonders, is God paying attention? Is God watching me? Am I, is anybody out there for me? Because he, you know, Cass doesn't have anybody. He has all and, you know, I've met him that, you know, your family, we, co- you know, we care about you, we die for you. But he doesn't have anybody to talk to. And I actually kind of thought that God not giving him a sign there at the end was God giving him a sign. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought you could interpret it that way because he said, "If I don't, if I don't get a sign from you, I'm just going to do what I have to do." And maybe God not giving him a sign was telling him, "You need to do what you have to do." You know, exactly. So. And and my heart just, going back a few scenes, my heart just broke for Cass when he realized that they had put him in the holy fire circle. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so sad. He, he was caught in Jerusalem oil. There were so many moments, and again, being someone who never fully pays attention to Cassiel, not in a good or a bad way, I'm just indifferent um, unless he's being a complete badass, I'm usually indifferent towards him uh, because mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he always gets the best material to work with. So when he gets material like he got last night, it just makes it that gives it that much more impact. Um, so yeah. I think Misha did a great job with his own. Um, facial inflections and showing just even though he's in essence the betrayer just his utter confusion as to why are you why am I in a ring of fire why are you being mean to me don't you understand what I'm doing I'm, you know the whole time he's just been telling him I'm fighting a war I'm fighting a war I'm fighting a war I'm fighting a war Right, and then with the earlier with the earlier episodes, you've always seen Cass, you know, uncertain, you know, growing into the character, comic relief because he's so innocent, you know, the one with the with Dean and him at the brothel, and you know, you've always seen, you know, Sam as this 
you know, or not Sam, Cassio, as, you know, if you want to say it, and I like I said, I do like the character of Cass, but you've always seen him as two-dimensional. This episode brought his third dimension out. It it gave him the the meat, the meat that Misha needed to really, really bring the character out. You You saw him as, you know, like, what am I doing in this ring of fire? Or... You know, I'm doing what I have to do. I'm protecting. You actually get to see him really protecting the boys, like like a Doberman, like a you know, like a Mastiff. He's protecting his owner, you know, his his comrades. And um, I think this episode really gave Misha the meat and the juiciness to bring out the third and fourth dimension, if you want, of Castiel. We've got to see him totally rounded. I know I'm flip flopping through the episode, but uh, <laughs> I keep going. I keep going. Oh, we already talked about that that scene, but still, um, the scene where he meets up with Rachel and everybody up in heaven. When Cass, uh, Rachel called him Cass, and I thought that was weird because I was like, I always thought that that was like a Sam and Dean, you know, human thing, you know, basically, you know giving somebody a nickname, that's like a human thing. And I thought it was really weird that when, with Rachel calling him Cass. Oh, right. I didn't catch that. I missed that. I hadn't really noticed that. I'm so used to him being ca- called Cass that I don't even know this. She called him Castiel when he first showed up, but then when she's, um, you know, asking him what do, what, sh- what do they need to do, give them orders, she calls him Cass. I oh, that's a good noticed. catch. I didn't even... I didn't even notice that now either. I'm actually going back to hear that. Wow, good catch. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You know, that, that was normally a Sam and Dean thing. Mm-hmm. A Sam thing. And, you know, with angels, you know, you always see them being more, you know, elegant or, you know, you know, more distinguished or, you know, with the way they talk and everything. And, Hearing them use a nickname, I thought was strange. Yeah, where she says he brought you back to lead us, Cass. He chose you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see where you said that now. Yeah, that is just the way she said that was interesting. So I wonder if that's okay, hinting yeah. at. I wonder, you know, if that's hinting at some kind of relationship Castiel and she had. Because. In the episode that we see her in previously, you know, he doesn't refer to her as an ally. He refers, or she doesn't refer to him as an ally. She says friend. Yeah, and he yeah. says his lieutenant, and, and he actually says his lieutenant. Yeah, they're not talking in war terms. They're talking in friendly terms. Um. I wonder, you know, they keep saying it's all about the soul, it's all about the soul. Um, Just how they plan to, you know, they they refer to the soul as being nuclear. And I wonder if they take it to the point where the souls are going to be used if the containment of that power is going to become an issue. 
yeah, like a I'm nuclear really reactor. Curious. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious as to how this is going to play out in the last two episodes. Um, anybody who's listening right now, if you don't want to hear, I'm going to mention what happened in the some scenes in the preview for the next two episodes. So if you don't want to hear about it, uh, pause it, well, turn it down. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the preview. Um, I I just noticed for the first time this evening, it's probably the fourth time I've watched this episode today, and in the previews for next week, at the very beginning, it shows a really, really bruised and bloodied Sam at the very mm-hmm. beginning of it, and I'm, I was like, what in the heck is, you know, I'm really wondering what that's all about. But it's very it rare that we see a Winchester that, that... <laughs> I don't that, think it's that. all blood. Yeah, I think a lot of it is bruises because it's not like drippy and nasty. You know, it's like his facial coloring. And so, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness, what happened? Yeah, and if you look at that, it's like in the same scene. I don't know if he's talking to himself or who he's talking to because, or, you know, how they like to split up the scenes of, you know, how they like to split everything together. But he says, you know, Sam, this is your last chance. So basically it's like another Sam talking to Sam. Like maybe this has got the one towards the second episode where the wall comes tumbling down. Could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the hell Sam, you know, the the one that's behind the wall, and he's starting to talk to himself. Could be, could be. But it looked like he was in Bobby's house. Yeah, but it, it does look like he's in Bobby's house, but he's it's a Sam talking to a Sam because I've got it with a uh, closed caption on it, and the bloody Sam says, Sam, this is your last chance, and then they go to a puppy dog Sam. Could so it looks like, to, you know. Could he be talking to Grandpa Campbell? Mm, I I have a feeling this is one's going to be something like when Dean was talking to Demon Dean before Dean went to hell. You know, this is what you're going to become. What about Um, this one? Actually, what about when Sam was um, talking to Lucifer in the mirror? Right, and this one actually looks. I have a feeling because he's so bloody, so beat up, so sweaty, grimy, and everything. I'm looking at a screen cap I've got of it right now. I have a feeling that's Hell Sam talking to on Earth Sam. Email me that screen cap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me try to, I will get back to it, and I will try to do it together if I can. Okay. Yeah, I got the screen cap okay. over the, um, of the closed captioning, too. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, I have a feeling a lot of this is going to come to, come to play with the next couple of episodes, too. We're going to see more of what Cass's real deal is. And the promo photos that the CW released for these two episodes, the for the, for the first episode that night, the 8 o'clock episode, it has pictures of Ben and Lisa, but it seems like in these, pro, in these photos, that Lisa must be possessed and because she's holding a knife to Ben. And usually the way 
CW does their promo photos, usually what they put out and what are in the spoiler clips and everything they put out is usually really early in the episode. You know, if you watch the spoiler clips they put out are usually things really early in the episode and the promo photos are. And so it makes me wonder what, you know, what's going to happen in that episode. I think it's going to be Dean's worst nightmare. So early in the episode, it was almost irrelevant. Mm Mm-hmm. It's going to be Dean's worst nightmare. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's Crowley has something to do with it, I'm guessing. Uh, Yeah, because again... For the first time, in, you know, since season two, basically, we don't really know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, what we have no idea what's going to go on in the last two episodes besides, you know, the wall coming down. Because, you know, usually, you know, what Supernatural, Clarity and I talk about this a lot on our on our podcast. Supernatural always tells you at the beginning of the year what they're going to do, and then at the end of the year they do it, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Third season, you know, Dean's going to die. Dean died at the end of third season. Fourth season, you know, Lucifer's going to rise at the end of season. Lucifer rose. Fifth season, Sam's going to be wearing Lucifer to the prom. End of the season, he's wearing Lucifer to the prom. You know, they always tell you exactly. This year they have told us nothing. (laughs) So I'm really, really wondering what in the heck's going to happen. And I, I... You know, and I commend the writers, the directors, and everything else, you know, anybody involved in it, how they have kept this, you know, such a secret in at this year. It, You know, it's something to be really commended on because it's hard to keep stuff like this from the fandom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 we're a crafty fandom. And um, <laughs> to be able to... Keep it under wraps. That's impressive. Very, very impressive. Because <laughs> you really, I mean, we thought Eve was a big bad, and clearly she's not. And no, she was a mother protecting her young, basically. You know, we they pissed her off, and, she, you know, Crowley pissed her off, and she's just protecting her her babies, like she said. And, you know, is Cass, you know, is Cass really the big bad? No, not really. Or is he? Same thing with Crowley. But then yeah, you have, this is the first time. We have this the is the first time since season. Sorry about it's that. A it's a lot on the plate. Yeah, this is the first time I think since the first you know first two seasons that we don't know who the big bad is Mm-mm. and I like it <laughs> <laughs> I mean we we there was always like Azizel and um there was you know Lucifer there was Michael you know there was you know all of them and it's like this time it's like okay the person we thought was a big bad they killed her already you know who? You know, there's so many twists and turns in this season. You know, I'm. You know, it's it's amazing, and it's really good. You know, to a kudos to the writers, you know, and the directors, how they're keeping us guessing and hopping this year. Oh, definitely. And I think 
this is going down as one of my favorite seasons. I think it's been very well crafted. And for something that on the surface looks like it's very jumbled, it's actually been very linear. And I think a lot yeah, of people I, have had a lot of concerns about where is this going, what is this about. You know, now it has come full circle where you're going, okay, so Sam doesn't have a soul, now he does, now what's the point? But you've come to see, okay, well, now we have Cass, that he brought Sam back, but he brought him back wrong, so that's where you come into play with Cat, with Sam having no soul. And it's all, it's all fitting together. You know, did, Sam, did did Crowley do this on purpose, or was this a byproduct of his pridefulness, thinking, you know, he could just go in and, you know, pull Sam out without any ramifications, and here he didn't have enough juice or get up and go to pull the whole Sam out? Or was this done on purpose? You really don't know yet at this point. I think when, you know, at the end of the season finale, I think we're going to go... Oh, okay, yes, I see, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I get it. It's going to come to like, all Oh, my God, together. I can't believe you have to wait a whole summer. Oh, my God, I can't believe they ended it like that. We'll also be doing that, too, I'm sure. <laughs> I think I we're mean, all going to be going, oh, my God. WTF, we'll all be doing that. Yeah, I'm I'm about I'm all about this waiting for two weeks. Like, wait, wait, two weeks? What? Why? Huh? <laughs> Smallville has their their two hour series finale. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then, yeah. So we're, you know, we got to get two weeks is nothing though, because we have to sit through the whole summer. And respect to respect to Smallville. Ten years. Respect to Smallville. <laughs> you know, and, and, it, and it was bitter. It was bittersweet last night um, because if you really look at it, that was the last night that um, Supernatural and Smallville are going to be paired together. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we each have a respect, a respectful, um, respective um, season finales. One's a series finale, and one's our season finale. So, yeah, it's like, wow, you know, this is weird, you know, because I've always come to terms, you know, you're always seeing Smallville, Supernatural. So even that should be very interesting next season, you know, programming-wise. I'm not sure if our show tonight is scheduled for 90 minutes or not. So if it is, our show may be ending here in like eight minutes, so... I'm not sure how long it was scheduled for. I forgot to look. Mm, not sure. No. Just you know, like I had someone, I, there was a couple posts last night, you know, how this episode was both heartbreaking and heartwarming. You know, you got to see both, you know, everybody saying, you know, their feelings for each other and then at the same time the betrayal. Yeah, but so I'm wondering how far that's going to go into the finale now, too, you know? Yeah. And you got to see everybody, you know, talk about their feelings, which is so rare on this show, and they did it so smoothly. 
It wasn't overdrawn. It wasn't overwrought. It wasn't, there were no tears. <laughs> there was not even a Yeah, there was no one tear. Not one was, tear this this one. No, no, you know, a single tear of, of man pain, nothing. No, you know, and I didn't miss any of the tear or the big, you know, embracing hug that you know, we all have grown to love. Yet it was still, okay, the was still there. I got your screen caps, and yeah, I do think that the bruised and bloody Sam is his soul. That's soul Sam and it's Mel. It's the yep. Yeah, I think so, too. That's and it's reminiscent of, of the Dean, the demon Dean and the human Dean talking about, you know, what you're what you're going to be becoming, you know, what you'll become. Basically, this is, you know, Sam's going to be, you know, a mess if, then, you know, when that wall comes tumbling down. I, I think, it I don't like he's telling himself, like, yeah, it seems like he's telling himself, like, kind of like, buck up kind of thing, like, are you strong enough to handle this? This is your last I, I chance think, to pull through. I think I think the bruised and bloodied Sam is Sam's soul, and that's, I think that's him in hell. I think that's what kind of condition he was in in hell. You know what I'm saying? I think that's how Sam, um, the soul was tortured and everything by Lucifer in hell. Well, like Cass said that one time, when he felt felt the uh, soul, it was cold because it had been flayed alive, you know, you know, you know, burnt and, you know, stuff like this. So, yeah, you know, the okay. the, Sam, the Sam's soul is going to be a mess. The season finale, I, it's going to kill me. I can just tell. <laughs> just that. <laughs> yeah, it's about to kill me. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be in good shape. <laughs> I, I, I feel a... Um, uh, Hey, oh my God! What the heck did you guys do to us, Summer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank goodness we have the convention in Nashville and then Vancouver in the meantime, so we can like make you know. Oh, Jared and Sam are still okay, and Dean and Bobby and everybody. <laughs> yep, and then I've got the one in Chicago, which should be hopefully after they start, you know, after they start you know, showing an episode, I would, you know, I'm very interested in seeing how the questions are going to come in that con if they're filming, or excuse me, if they're, you know, showing the episodes already to see what the questions are going to come to the cast and crew then. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of questions for the summer that, you know, we're going to, you know, once we start seeing the episodes, like, okay. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we need to start winding it down because I think the show's going to end here in a couple minutes. Uh, I want to thank you, Kay and Vinny, for being on the show. It was so much fun. I hope you guys had fun. I enjoyed it. Was it was a blast. Thanks for listening to us, guys. Yeah, thank and you. Guys, and we'll have to have you guys back. Anytime. And, you know, yeah, it's awesome. Yes, anytime. Time. This was a very enjoyable. Thank you. 
And thank you, everybody who listened. And hope you all enjoyed it. Um, just to let you know the podcast um, for the season for the last two episodes. Um, it's going to be a week after they air because um, Clarity will still be on her demon hunt and won't be back in time. But she wants to definitely do the podcast for those episodes. So we're going to wait till she's back. And so it'll be the week after they air, um, the Saturday, you know, basically eight days after they air, we'll have our next podcast. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you had a good time. Thank you, Kay and Vinny. And Thanks, Becky. We'll, Thanks, Becky. Um, I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody.